This is Conversations with Corliss, the leadership podcast that gives you real and authentic advice that can help you change your life for the better. Here we will listen to stories and have conversations with people who are just like you, people who are chasing their dreams and making them happen. Your host Corliss is a modern day purpose-driven leader. As an entrepreneur, she has developed a multi-million dollar business, leading thousands of people to discover their potential and reach their personal goals, all while balancing the responsibilities of raising her three children. She is a powerful, inspirational speaker, a certified success principles coach, and the founder and CEO of Corliss Co. Consulting Incorporated. Hi everyone, this is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it, my name is Corliss and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. I found myself coasting through life feeling unfulfilled and deep inside I knew there was more to me than I was living. I went looking for answers and I found them by listening to inspiring people and having meaningful conversations. That is what we will do here for you. Whatever you are looking for, I am glad you are here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. This is episode 033, All Things Money with financial expert Mandy Thomas. Can you imagine having $250,000 saved by your 26th birthday? Well, that is exactly what our guest today did, and she's about to share how she did it and how you can do it too. Mandy Thomas is a financial coach. She's basically a personal trainer, but for your money. In this episode, we talk about tangible things you can do right away to start getting ahead financially in 2021. We tackle the foundation of wealth, shifting your money mindset, and breaking your self-destructive patterns. Mandy approaches money management differently by helping people overcome anxiety around finance and combines both the tangible and strategic with the holistic and emotional side of money. I am really excited about this one. In this conversation, Mandy happens to mention one of the most effective ways to increase your income and break the pattern of paycheck to paycheck is to start a side hustle. I completely agree, as I had a side hustle that became a multi-million dollar business and ended up becoming a life-changing career opportunity for me. It was really exciting to hear her reference it as a step to take because I have a free webinar series about how to choose the right side hustle and then how to kick ass as a direct sales entrepreneur. It's all published on my new website. To take part in the free training, visit corliss.ca and go to the free stuff on my homepage. By joining my email list, you will also be gifted the first four chapters of my book and be notified when the free webinar series will be expanded. Let's make 2021 the best year yet in all aspects, including your money and finances. And that starts right now. Welcome to the show, Mandy. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Coralis. You bet. This is going to be a great conversation. Now, today we're talking about all things money. And in the introduction, I shared how you were only 26 and you had already saved more than $250,000. So I'd like to begin there because I think the audience would like to know. Tell us your story about how you were able to succeed in, in saving that kind of money so early in life. Yeah, so I will uh, give you a little bit of backstory, kind of what led up to me being able to do that. So I grew up in a family where we really didn't have a lot of money. There was a lot of stress and anxiety around it. And from a really young age, I knew that I wanted to be in charge of my finances. And I wanted to live a very different life than how we did growing up. Like, I didn't want to be an adult and constantly be stressed about money. So I uh, started at age 11. I was like, I'm going to I'm going to become an entrepreneur. So I was trying to figure out, well, what could I do in order to bring money in? So I didn't have to ask my parents for money for school stuff. And uh, so I started my first business actually as um, a pet sitting business and it did really, really well. And that was back before social media. And so I basically started uh, 
supporting myself financially from there on. And then I started a second business when I was 14. And I really just realized that I needed to dive into learning how to manage money and to make money. And I kind of thought, well, if I just did the opposite of my parents that I thought I would do okay. So that's kind of uh, my big thing was I just really wanted to, I knew that I could live a different life, but I had to be that person in charge of everything. And I had to, I wanted to be independent and not feel like I needed to rely on other people. So that's basically really how it started. And then I decided to go to school to take power engineering. And uh, it was mostly because I knew it was a job that I could could do well at it. And I wanted to actually enter a male dominant field. And uh, so that's what I went to school for. And I knew a lot of people that took out student loans and I didn't have any really too much money saved for school, but I knew that I did not want to come out with a with debt. So I applied for scholarships. I didn't attend. I didn't work while I was going to school. And so I lived very, very tight. I really managed my money well. And I was able to come out without having any debt. So that definitely helped me when I started my career. And then as soon as I started working, I knew that I needed to. I seen a lot of people that I worked with who made really good money, but were basically broke. And that really bothered me. I also came out in 2008 was when I had graduated high school and it was coming out basically into a recession. And I was working in the oil field then. And I seen a lot of people who were really, really struggling. And so for me, that was such a, you know, I grew up with a lot of scarcity and then it was like, welcome to the world as an 18 year old, here's a recession. And so I really just realized that there was a lot of stuff within my control that I needed to make sure I didn't live outside of my means. So when I started that first, uh, my job as a power engineer, I right away set money aside for investments. Now I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anything at all there, but I thought, you know what, it's more important that I just start setting money aside instead of waiting until I know exactly what I'm doing. So that's what I did was I set between 10 to 18% aside from every single paycheck. And then anytime that I got a raise, I didn't I didn't live off anymore. I would just increase what I was putting towards my investments by the exact amount that I got a raise. And anytime that I got either a bonus or a tax refund, I didn't ever use that money. As soon as it came in, it went right back to my investments. And then once I received my paycheck, I always set money additionally aside for savings. So I early on got used to not living on as much money because I know it's a lot more difficult once you're used to a certain lifestyle. And I just seen that a lot of people, it was a lot tougher for them because they had gotten used to a certain lifestyle. It was really hard to kind of downgrade from there. And I just went, you know what? I, uh, I don't want to go into debt. I seen credit card debt a lot. And so I kind of just used what I seen going on around me was that I didn't want to live that way. And I could live a different way if I was incredibly intentional with my money. And so that's kind of all in all leading up to how I had saved that much money. And another thing was I just had really big dreams and I didn't really care that other people didn't, uh, didn't think they could come true. I knew that that was their limiting stories and I just seen so much more for myself, but I knew that I would be able to achieve it if I was just following through with the commitments that I made to myself, honestly, as an 11 year old kid. And that's really what, what led to that. And, uh, another part of my story that I want to share is there was, I was really good at managing money on the strategic and tangible side, I became really, really good at that. But what I wasn't good at was the emotional side. And mind you, back then in my early 20s, nobody was talking about money the way that money is talked about now. It was very taboo back then. And I was a high income earner. I did make six figures at my job as a power engineer. And I had so much stress around money, even though I had a lot of money in the bank, I had no credit card debt, I was managing my money really well. I had so much anxiety around money because how I grew up, we didn't have a lot. And so even though tangibly I was doing really well, I hadn't dove into my money story, how I felt about money. I felt like I couldn't actually open up to anyone because I was doing really, really well. And so I just didn't really tell anyone. And I actually ended up in my mid twenties getting very, very sick. I got incredibly sick and it was my struggle with that, basically trying to come back to being healthy and getting my life back, that I really realized that there's actually two huge pieces that come into managing your money. And also just like living your life with a high quality of life on a daily basis. So even though I had all this money in the bank, I was very, very sick. So it didn't feel 
it didn't feel like I was in a very good position. So that's where I realized I needed to dive into the emotional side. Um, the financial traumas that I'd experienced growing up, the way money was talked about in our household. And so that's what led me to starting my business intentionally wealthy coaching, because I realized that you could have six figures in the bank and no debt and be doing really, really well, but still struggling so much with money and feeling shame around money. And so I really talk about money from a holistic standpoint. Yes, the tangibles and the strategic, but also the emotional side, because I think that's a lot of it. People feel so much shame around money, no matter if it's an income struggle or if they have a lot of debt, even if they're a high income earner with no debt, they can still feel that, feel that too. So that's where I realized there was nobody helping people on the, the daily managing of their money, knowing exactly what to do with it so they could get ahead, but also on the emotional side of how they felt about their money. So they didn't have money anxiety like I did, because that's one of the biggest things, honestly, one of my biggest accomplishments I feel like is overcoming that anxiety around money because it was just every single day consuming me and now I live my life without having that and I just feel like a whole new person so that's really why I do what I do is because yes I love my clients paying down their debt and saving more money but it's also them being able to sleep at night and them not overeating and them not having digestive problems and memory problems because of so much high stress in their life and so that's kind of my story that led to me being able to do that and then also why I do what I do. I love it. Wow. Wise beyond your years, I got to say. Like at 11 years old, now I realize I don't think you're a parent, are you? No. Right? No, I'm not. No, you're not. And I am a parent. And as I was listening to, I was thinking, first of all, I'm so proud of her. Like, wow. But the second thing is, is I was thinking about my 13 year old son who got his very first job. And I was thinking, I should really get him to listen to your story about saving 10 to 18% and about dreaming bigger and to teach and encourage our kids, you know, my son and everybody else that has children, we can start teaching them right off the bat to dream big and manage their money and to save and to just have that mentality. And that they too, you could be an entrepreneur just like you. Absolutely. I really like that. We're going to talk about patterns a little bit later, but how about let's start with this with, you know, what's the one big thing? So, I mean, we've been in a world of, we've been in a, a challenge this year, obviously. I mean, we all know that. And I know that you and I met through Tanya Woods Richardson. And one of the things that she says about the pandemic is that it just really revealed, I can't remember exactly how she says it, but it really revealed the financial crisis. It didn't cause a crisis. The pandemic didn't. It was more, it just revealed it. And you and I met through her and I, I know that, you know, a lot of people will really understand that and feel that that's kind of what happened for them this year. So let's move into what's the one big thing that people can do to really start getting ahead with their money, like right now in 2021. Yes. So I want everyone to understand that there's three different kinds of expenses and we need to handle them differently. So the first one is fixed expenses, which is the one that most people are pretty good at. So typically they're the same amount each month. They're typically on the same day or within the same date range. So that's the aspect of money that we are actually pretty good at managing. The second kind of money is our day-to-day -day expenses. So those are things like groceries, eating out, gas, household. Those ones are quite variable. So there we consistently have them, but the amount fluctuates and that's one that can cause a lot of frustration. And then the third one is the non-recurring and random expenses. That's the one I'm going to dive a lot more deeper into. And so that's things like Christmas gifts, travel, kids activities like hockey, clothing, etc. So those are types of expenses that you typically don't have on a monthly basis, but they come up maybe quarterly, maybe twice a year, randomly throughout the year, maybe only once a year. And most people don't know how to set aside money for these expenses. And what happens is when you do have these, all of a sudden that month where you have some of these expenses, your expenses go up a lot more. Typically, all of a sudden they're actually more than what your income is. And then that's where, you know, you're using your credit card to kind of front you to help you out there. And these are really, really difficult for people and it makes it hard to get ahead. So what I tell my clients when I'm working with them is right off the bat, we want to get a handle on what these expenses are. So I sit down with my clients and we go through what does that kind of look like for the next next 12 months for them. And we break each of those individual expenses up and we put an amount for them, what we think they're going to be for the year. So for example, Christmas just happened. And so with Christmas or depending on the time of this is being aired, it will be Christmas happening right after this. 
all of my clients, we figured out ahead of time, what does that look like for what they need for Christmas gifts? And then we would save on a monthly basis for that. So when Christmas came, it was actually a way more enjoyable experience this year for them because they had the money ahead of time instead of December being a really high expense month. So what we do is we figure out what that total will be for the year divided by 12. And then each month they make a transfer for that particular expense. So what we do is everyone has one savings account that you have like multiple things you're saving for inside of there. So you really have no idea how close you are to each of those goals because it's just one savings account. Like it's really, there's no clarity. So what I actually have my clients do, and I do myself personally is have a separate savings account for each category. So it is actually really common that a lot of my clients will have between six and eight different savings accounts. I have 10 different savings accounts. And then you just make your transfer into there. And it's so cool because when you look in your online banking, for example, you can see exactly how close you are for each of those expenses. And so this really works. This is literally instrumental when you implement this in your finances. And what I have my clients do is we're managing their cash flow. So it's not just like a monthly budget. We're really projecting things out. So the vast majority of my clients know what most of 2021 will look like. Now, of course, there's a lot of things that will influence that, that will change things, but they have a really good idea of what that will look like. So then as life happens, it's so much easier for them to tweak it from there. So they're saving for these expenses on a monthly basis. And I typically have them make these transfers right after they have been paid, or if they're an entrepreneur right after they pay themselves, because what we want to do, one of the things that makes it hard for people to manage their money is when you have money sitting in your checking account that actually shouldn't be sitting in there, it should be somewhere else. So for example, we know these expenses are coming up. So I have my clients make transfers to these accounts, typically the day after they've been paid. So already it gets that money out and they don't accidentally spend it. So there's kind of, there's two different things that I see a lot of times happening is there's emotional spending where, you know, when you're upset, you're sad, et cetera, and you do, and you go spend some more money to try and fill something that's happening internally with something externally. So a lot of people are a little bit more aware of this, but what I call the silent killer is accidental overspending. And that's where you kind of do a, a rough judge of you've been paid and you have some fixed expenses that have went out and you have some that are left to come out and you go ahead and you spend some of that money on maybe, you know, some, some kind of extra spending and you haven't even overdrafted your account. But what you didn't realize was some of that money that you spent, you actually already needed to set that aside for these upcoming expenses that are coming up in, you know, 60, 90, 180 days, that sort of thing. So this really greatly helps to reduce accidental overspending. And also a huge thing here, especially when it comes to relationships, whether you have shared finances or not, it makes it so much easier for both people to understand what your monthly expenses actually are. Because for the vast majority of people, your monthly expenses are much higher than you think they are because what you're looking at is for most people, they're looking at their fixed expenses and then they're adding a little bit for kind of groceries and gas, but they're missing an entire category. And so you think that your expenses are a lot less and that can cause a lot of relationship problems. So when both people can see how much it truly costs you to live, once you take into account this third category of expenses, wow, I can tell you what a huge difference it is for my clients on a relationship front. So that's a huge bonus there. It also makes communication a lot easier because you now have clarity instead of just thinking and feeling we don't make enough money and expenses are really expensive. It gives you a really clear cut idea. So definitely sitting down and figuring out what are those different types of categories for you that are expenses that are going to be coming up or could come up. So for example, when I say could come up, I mean, the, all of my clients and myself, we save on a monthly basis for vehicle repairs. So if something does come up, you already have some money set aside and the same for home repairs. And then this just really evens everything out. And the other thing it does is because most people, when they're putting money towards, let's say, for example, debt, like credit card debt, they're, you're taking some money and you're maybe paying your minimum payment and then maybe you're putting some extra. Well, when you kind of look at what your debt payment histories look like, it probably looks like a roller coaster. You get extra paid down, you get really excited. And then the next month or months later, all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, I can only do my minimum payment. And you actually, those expenses, those one-off expenses have come up 
and you didn't have money set aside in savings. So they went back on your credit card. So it's really this up and down, um, very frustrating cycle. This helps to break that cycle. So when those, you know, three months from now, when one of those one-off expenses come up, you already have money set aside in that savings bucket that you can use to pay for it. But then you also will all of a sudden start to see that you can have, you know exactly how much extra you have to put towards debt. So at first it might feel a little bit slower when you're working into this process, but I can tell you this is sustainably how you get your debt paid off. And then also bringing up your savings. The other thing I wanna mention here is whenever we have to go into our savings to pay for something, there's so much shame and such a, an emotion that is that we feel when we have to do that. And when you have these different savings accounts that are just for these types of expenses, so for example, car repairs and, and home repairs, when you have to go into that, you don't feel as bad because the entire point of that savings account is actually not to grow infinitely, but it is for these types of expenses. So there's two different kinds of savings. I also just want to mention here as well is um, short-term and long-term. So what I'm talking about here, these savings account, these are short-term savings. So these are savings that you're going to be using probably within the next year. Long-term savings, those are the savings that we really don't want to be diving into until we have enough for that, that bigger thing. So for example, a down payment on a house, that's a little bit of a longer term savings. So this is how you can start to actually have money for both because the short-term savings, you're gonna be using that money a lot more often. The long-term savings, that's the one that you really don't wanna be touching. And so that's where you can see, you can have all these savings accounts for these short-term ones. And then you can actually have a savings account for one of those long-term ones, for example, if it's if it's a car that you want to pay for in cash, down payment on a home, whatever that looks like. Okay, good stuff. Wow, there's like you can tell you're a pro at this because you're just rambling it all off, and you have so much that you can tell us. So I want to just kind of bring it back and peel it back just a little bit. So what I've taken from this so far, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you want to have the short-term savings account set up, and you put small amounts in there, but they're very specific. Some of them that you mentioned are Christmas, home repairs, vehicle repairs. Um, is there any others that we would have short-term savings accounts for? Yeah, so 100% you're correct. It can be other things like travel. I'll also, any of my clients that have pets, we will have one that is a vet bills one. So it'll cover, you know, vaccinations, a little bit of an emergency fund for their pets. So it'll depend on your specific lifestyle. But uh, I'll also have a lot of clients have one miscellaneous fund for some of the smaller things like, um, you know, saving a little bit each month for when it comes time to file their taxes, if they have an Amazon Prime membership that they pay once a year um, for their 20, let's say, for example, if you have 80% of your medical costs are paid and you get your teeth cleaned like twice a year and 20% of that is out of pocket. And I'm saying that because I just got my teeth cleaned yesterday. So it's a perfect example. So we will save monthly towards that 20%. So we are really covering them on the vast majority of expenses that are going to come up that normally you're kind of scrambling to try and figure out. Oh, I love it. And I think a lot of times that's where people pull out the credit card because it's like, oh, I don't have the money for that. So I'll just put it on my card, right? Yes. I like that. So we've got, yeah, even dental, like things like that. That is a big category like that people probably don't consider. Thanks for bringing that up. That's really good. And then a the long-term savings. So basically the idea here is that each time you get paid, you put a little bit away into each of these accounts so that the money is there and helps you manage your cash flow. Is that the idea? Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, awesome. You are brilliant. Wow. You are brilliant. All right. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit about the, the other things, I guess. Maybe you could give us two other tangible things that people can do to start managing their money right away. Yes. So one of them is if, when you're using your credit card to pay, even if you have credit card debt, pay off all of your new charges right away. Treat it as if it's a debit card. That's one of the the biggest things for changing your money habits and behaviors that can really get you ahead. Cause so for example, if you're just paying and let's say that even someone might have all their credit card paid off. And I see this often someone who has their credit cards paid off and they're using it in a way to earn points, which is awesome. But what they don't realize is if they're just paying it once a month at the end of the month, you're kind of on a leg. So for example, if your income was all of a sudden affected or you were to lose your job, you all of a sudden have no more income coming in, but you know, maybe three weeks later, you have a big credit card bill. So it's putting you in a vulnerable situation. So I recommend my clients pay off all their new charges right away. 
it takes me less than 60 seconds to log in, see how much those are, because I just did this this morning as well, and to pay them off. So the other thing is when you're using your any kind of card, even a debit card, we typically spend about 28% more because we aren't, um, it's not like we're spending cash and we're really tangibly feeling that loss of money, basically. We are feeling not as emotionally connected to it, so we spend a lot more. So it's really good if you use your credit card and then pay it off right away so it's coming out of your account as quickly as possible, out of your checking account. It also makes it so for cash flow, when you have money in your account, in your checking account, but you have money on your credit card, you can put yourself in a bad situation because you simply just didn't realize, oh crap, all of a sudden you'd be overdrafting your checking account. So paying off all those new charges right away, and I'm not joking when I say that I pay off all my charges, like literally less than um, 24 hours afterwards, all of my new charges are paid off. So that's a huge thing. It will also support your credit score because you're helping something called your credit to debt ratio. You're really helping that to try and keep that down. So that's just a side note there. The second thing that I want to share is depending on your certain situation, another option you can do is you can actually open up a, a second checking account and you can have, for example, one checking account that's just for your fixed expenses. And then you can decide an amount for groceries, eating out and gas, that sort of thing. And then each month you can have a certain amount of money that goes into that account. Or you can have that as your normal checking account you have right now. And that second account that you open up, that second one can be that spending account. So what you will do is say, for example, you will have your check come in just as it normally does. And then all your fixed expenses go out of there. And then you leave some money in there for groceries, gas, that sort of thing. Then the other account, basically each pay period, you'd be setting aside a certain amount into there. So then it makes it a lot easier to not overspend. And once you hit that amount, you're basically done. That can really quickly let you know the awareness of how much you're truly spending. Because a lot of times people don't realize all of the kind of extras, miscellaneous, that sort of thing, type of expenses that they're spending on. And uh, it can make it um, a little bit of a come to Jesus moment and uh, they can have really good clarity there. So that's another thing that you can do to really, really tighten up on kind of the extras because the average person spends about 5,400 a year on impulsive expenses, which is about 450 a month. It's about 1479 a day, which is, you know, really easy for all of a sudden that to add up. Well, 450, that's, that could be going towards paying down debt to building up your investments. Like that can go a really long ways for you. So if you want, you can open up that second account and that can make a really big difference there. Oh my gosh, that's so good. That's so good. And you know, I have to say, because usually I'm that person that I've actually never thought about doing this before. I'm that person that just pays my card like in full. I pay the statement, you know, I just pay the balance when really sometimes it's shocking because it's like, oh, shoot, that's way more than I, I don't remember spending that much this month. So if I was paying it as I went along, it would be different. That's great advice. Absolutely. Good stuff. And $450 a month. So the impulse spend is about 14 something a day, you said. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I see this all the time too. It's very common when my clients first come to me that that is happening. So it's not just a number that I've heard. It's a number that I see. And when my clients have such clarity with their finances, it's so much easier for them to go, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much that's adding up and really tighten up on it. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're paying down their debt more, they're putting into investments that that is a real big game changer to have that level of clarity. So big. So big, because I mean, really, if you think about like somehow a person wouldn't think about that they're spending that much money, but somehow $14 a day, you know, you stop and grab a coffee or you don't really feel like cooking. So you eat out or, you know, you pick up that extra treat when you're standing at the gas station, you know, for your kids or whatever. Like there's just so many ways that it can just be gone so quickly. I think that's really good. Now, what if someone is living paycheck to paycheck, though, and they don't feel that they have the extra money to put a little bit into every savings account? Like what if? Can you talk yep. to that? Absolutely. So what I would say there is this is a process. This isn't something that'll happen overnight, but I would definitely sit down and figure out what this is. So you know what the difference is. So basically you'd see that there would be a negative if you were to put into these accounts, that is actually really, really good having that level of awareness. Cause when I work with clients, there's a lot of times that we see a negative. And so we work backwards from there. So for example, um, if you're able to take on overtime, that's a really good option. I would also strongly consider looking into starting a side hustle. 
That's a really great thing. I love to be on both ends of reducing expenses but also increasing income because that's incredibly empowering. So that's what I would say. And then also go through and see where are your money leaks? It's so often that I'll have clients that are filling out my intake paperwork that haven't even met with me that all of a sudden they're like, I'm saving 300 or $400 a month before our first session, because I realized how much all of these little things were adding up like bank fees. I, I personally recommend for my clients as much as possible to bank at a no fee bank because you're not really getting anything extra, but yet it might be costing you $15 a month every single month that adds up. There's a lot of small things. So go through and see, go through your credit card statements. There might be small stuff that you don't even realize is adding up. Go through your online statements for your checking account, really see what that looks like. And then the other um, for different types of fixed expenses that are coming out of your account that you actually might not even realize. I had a client that had no idea she was paying $170 in bank fees a month until she went through my paperwork and was looking at everything. So go through and see. The other thing I would say is the day-to-day -day spending. That is the number one category that the vast majority of my clients are overspending in that if you're to tighten that up can make a really big difference. So you're not living as paycheck to paycheck. So for example, being a lot more intentional about grocery shopping, how much you're spending on groceries. So I'm going to break that down and give you another tip within that, because that can seem a little bit overwhelming for people at first. What I want you to do is to first figure out how much are you actually spending on groceries? So you can just use like the notes app in your phone and write the, the month and then put all the times you went to the grocery store in there. But what I want you to do is when you're at the grocery store, let's say, for example, you buy groceries and you buy toiletries and you might buy um, a piece of clothing. Let's say, for example, you went to Walmart and you, you got a few different things. What I actually want you to do is I want you to split things up and I want you to pay for groceries first. And then I want you to pay for that on either your debit card or your credit card. And then I want you to pay for your toiletries separate and then that clothing item separate because it's going to be a lot easier to track it because most people, when they come to me, they have no idea what they've been spending in groceries and they're really including a lot of other expenses. So it's hard for us to tell, are you overspending on groceries? Are you overspending on household items? Are you overspending on both? So really figuring out how much are you spending on groceries by splitting them up? And I don't want you putting it all on one receipt because sitting down and splitting it up is overwhelming. So I've been doing this for years and even my clients are like, wow, what a game changer knowing exactly how much they're spending on each of those different categories that normally get lumped into one is really, really huge for that. That's so good. Your money leaks. You know, just the other day, it's funny that you're saying this because just the other day, I hadn't really gone through detailed. I've been pretty busy this fall and I never, you know, went through everything that was coming out detail by detail on my personal account. And what I realized is that I've been paying for Disney Plus for the entire year and I don't think we've used it once. <laughs> Yeah, that's way more common than you think, where you just kind of forget, especially subscriptions, because they're a smaller amount, you kind of almost just don't even notice them until you really are looking for them. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So I'll be fixing that up, we either have to use it, or obviously, we don't need it. So maybe that's something that can go and that's a money leak for me. All right, I want to go back to what you were talking about. I mean, there's just so many parts, you've shared so many valuable things already. And I'm just so grateful that you're sharing this. Thank you. Um, mindset is such a big part of life. And I really want to help get your perspective on how mindset connects to money, because you've already mentioned a few things about it. But tell us some more about shifting your mindset when it comes to money. Yep. So the first thing is really having and holding, knowing what kind of vision, how you want to live your life. So if you don't have a vision for where you want to go, you are not going to get there. I, uh, this was really interesting when I, I'm, uh, I have horses and I used to show horses a lot. And it was so important for me to realize that unless I was looking exactly where I want to go, my horse was going where my body language was telling her to go. And it's the exact same thing with our money and with our life. We really need to see what that is, even if it looks nothing like what our situation is now. So as a kid, I knew I wanted to be a millionaire. But I didn't know a single person who was a millionaire. I only knew paycheck to paycheck, credit card debt. But I held that vision strong. And even when it felt slow, I still worked towards that. So first, have a vision. And this is just so important because all the time I'll talk to women on the phone when they're talking to me about financial coaching. And I'll ask them, what would make you really happy? Like if your debt was paid off and you had savings, what would your life look like? 
And the phone goes silent and they don't say anything. And then they say, wow, I've never even thought of that. And so then I just hold space for them to, for the first time, really think of what that looks like. So that's so important because if we just focus on, oh my gosh, everything is so stressful. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. We're going to get more of that. When I was struggling with my money anxiety, that's what I kept thinking about was, oh my gosh, what if I lose my job? What if we go into a bigger recession? What if the industry gets worse? And all I got was more anxiety that eventually led to a panic attack. That was a game changer for me because it, I never wanted to have a panic attack again. So first having a vision and writing that out, journaling it, putting it like I'm huge on, I'm a very visual person. And I tell my clients, I want them to put it on their sticky notes. I want you to see it everywhere. So especially because on the good days, it's really easy to show up. It's easy to manage our money well, to spend well. We really need a lot of this for when it's more emotional, like a lot of 2020 when things weren't going so great and when there was a lot of uncertainty and we didn't you know, feel safe with our finances. So having that vision, so you're constantly seeing that and it's reminding you that even when things are slow, what you're working towards. The other thing I want you to remind yourself is time is going to pass by anyways. Like it's crazy to think that it's even December right now. Time is passing by. Why not use this time really wisely to get ahead, to put, and remember that the beginning of your journey, of your financial journey of really diving in is always the hardest. You're learning new habits. You're learning new knowledge. And also there's a difference between knowledge and applied knowledge. So it's, you're applying this knowledge, you're implementing, you're really straightening a lot of things out with your finances. You're beginning to build those new habits and change behaviors and thought processes. The hardest part is in the beginning. It's kind of like, you know, if you're to push, if you're to push a big boulder, the hardest part is getting it moving, but it's easier once it's in motion to keep it moving. It's the same thing with your finances. And I will also say that the first $50,000 is the hardest. The first 50,000 to be they're paying off in debt, saving, hitting in investments. After that, it is so much easier. And it typically happens much, much quicker because you have a lot of those habits already in place. So just really reminding yourself of this a lot and having, doing a lot of self-development work that makes it easier to be in the right frame of mind on a consistent basis. I never know exactly what a guest is going to say when interviewing as this is a free flow conversation. So when Mandy said that one of the key things to moving forward in your life is to have a clear vision, I got pretty excited because that aligns with what I believe and where my coaching always begins. I have personally been creating vision boards for years and know the power of the tool firsthand. It is also why I've been guiding people through this process for as long as I can remember. Coming up on January 10th, I'm holding a virtual vision board workshop and you are invited to join. I introduced this workshop virtually over the last month and I've had nothing but five-star reviews on the experience and many women telling me all about how much they enjoyed the experience and can't wait to fulfill their vision. If you have always wanted to make a vision board, here is your chance. Go to corliss.ca to reserve your seat today. One other thing that I will say as well is I'm going to talk just a little bit about something called tapping, tapping. So EFT, uh, emotional freedom technique. That's something that I do with my clients as well. What you do is basically you are getting out all of the negative thoughts that you're thinking and you're just tapping on these different, these eight different energy points on your body. So for example, on your, your eyebrow, the outside of your eye, on your collarbone, and a lot of us are operating from a place of our nervous system is freaking out. It's kind of in fight or flight a lot. We're chronically stressed. And that's exactly how I felt. And when we tap on all the, the fears and the worries, you're actually not bringing more of that into your life. What you're doing is you're calming your nervous system. So what you would just do is you would just like literally just take your, take your, um, your pointer finger and your middle finger and you would just tap on that. And you would just say the things that are bothering you and just get them out. It is incredibly healing, especially for women. A lot of times we'll keep a lot of things in. If you're saying those things and it's actually hitting your vocal cords, you're actually opening up that throat chakra there. It is incredibly feeling to feel heard and understood and validated in the struggles that you're having. So I'm mentioning this because I don't want you to just try and be positive all the time and emotionally bypass what you're going through. 
I want you to actually feel those feelings. If you're upset about your finances, I want you to cry. I want you to be upset about it. And then I want you to tap into how you want to feel. You know, I just, I want to feel calm with money. I want to feel safe with money. And it is incredible how, how we feel energetically changes. And all of a sudden we're just more resourceful. We have more energy to make more money, to make better decisions. So that's just another thing is you can, you can look it up on YouTube. It's something that I do personally with my clients. And it's really incredible how that changes when you're working through this process. And especially when things are toughest, when you go to tapping to just calm that nervous system. So then you can move forward from just a different frame of mind. I can honestly hardly believe that you brought that up because one of my upcoming guests is actually going to talk about tapping. <laughs> That's what she specializes in. That's crazy. That's well, that was crazy. Perfect. Yeah, it really was. That's so neat. Yeah, I really, I really am quite fascinated by the whole process and absolutely agree that what's happening on the outside is very much connected to what's happening on the inside. So I want to just touch just a little bit on how you broke the pattern that you could have actually just duplicated from your parents because a lot of times we're living the patterns and things that we learned from an early age and you clearly made a decision to do something different and I, I want to just ask you to share a little bit about what you know now that you're working with your clients and you, you've seen this a lot yourself and you've made a conscious choice yourself to break that pattern what are some of the things that people are living um, that are maybe self-destructive in their financial well-being yeah so there's five different patterns that I commonly see so a major one is avoidance so a lot of people think that it hurts more to look at their finances and to dive in and to handle them. But in actuality, it causes so much more anxiety because even though you're not looking about it, you're thinking about it, you're feeling it in your body. So then all it does is it causes more anxiety, shame. So shame, it, it, it basically turns into the cycle. Shame leads to avoidance. Avoidance leads to shame and you just continue in that. So breaking out of the avoidance by understanding that it's going to feel difficult at first. So use your tapping, do the things to emotionally support you as you're going through this. And to remind yourself also that whatever your current reality is, does not have anything. It has nothing in common with your future. Your future can be very, very different. The second pattern that I see a lot of times is, is ego. So with this one, there's a really big difference between knowledge and applied knowledge. So you can know something, but you're not implementing it in your finances at all. So you're not getting the benefits from it. And that's where sometimes I'll see people like, oh, I already know that. That's where things can sound really simple and, but they're not doing them. So they're not getting that benefit. So sometimes just checking your ego at the door, even if it's something you've heard before, cause you, you might've heard it, but you might not be doing it. And I see this pattern more common with people who have a lot of education or they're highly skilled where their ego can be blocking them there. The third one is thinking that what you're going through is extreme. Like you're the only person that has that struggle, that you're special in that regard, that nobody else would understand what I'm going through. Because to be completely honest, there's when my clients come to me, there's really three big aspects that they're all struggling with, even though they all have very different financial situations. And so a lot of times when you feel like nobody understands what I'm going through, you don't reach out, which then causes more feelings of shame, anxiety, and more of that mental and emotional health struggles because of it. And that was me. That was a hundred percent. That was one of my de deconstructive patterns was that I thought what I was going through was special. I was a high income earner. I wasn't allowed to feel the shame anymore. And nobody else knew what I was going through. I actually see that that's a lot more common now, but I thought no one else was experiencing this. I thought that anyone else who was in this position felt totally fine and really good about money. The fourth one is perfection. Thinking that you need to do it perfectly or you don't show up. So if there's, you know, when, when an obstacle comes up and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, and maybe you didn't handle it as well, or you had a plan and you were trying to stick to it and you deviated from it. And then you, you basically are really, really, really hard on yourself. So then you're not as consistent and emotionally, you don't feel very good about it. So you don't keep going. So that's where you have to be really careful about perfection coming in and thinking that once you kind of have an idea of what you're going to be doing, that you have to do it perfectly because that will really hold you back. The fifth one is comparison. So trying to keep up with the Joneses. So I'll, I'll hear a lot of times, oh my gosh, so, so-and-so, like they're doing so well, they have this and they have that. 
And I will tell my clients that a lot of times the people that you think are doing really well are sometimes people that are in way more debt than you are. It's just from the outside, they look rich or wealthy, but they, they have a lot of debt. So I'll, I'll remind my clients of that, that the other thing is you have no idea how many people are actually still as adults, either receiving money from their parents or being compensated in different ways that you don't understand. It's really, really hard to compete with that. So I'll just tell clients to be very careful about getting in that comparison mindset of, well, this person, like I should be able to do this because this person is doing that. And I'm like, well, you actually might be in a way better financial situation than what they are. So being very careful or what you see on social media, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors on there as well. There's a lot of things that come across differently. Everyone's putting out their highlight reel. So you're really not seeing everyone else's raw struggles that they're going through. So those are the biggest patterns that I see that can really halt people when it comes to their finances. Mm, so good. And the, the, when you're talking about comparison immediately, it was like, well, that would lead to shame as well. And when you were talking about that, I'm the only one going through this and I really can't share this, that would be like, it's such a, a vulnerable thing to share the truth about that. I like it. I like it. And um, awareness is the first step to change. So if you're aware of the self-destructive pattern, you can change it, right? Absolutely. Yes. Good stuff. All right. There's just a couple more things I wanted to ask you, you know, and of course we're going to go into the three closing questions. Is there anything else you wanted to add though? Those are the, the biggest things, but what I would just love to say is please, if there was something that you resonated with on this podcast, stop it, write it down, like actually implement, take action. I don't want you to have just learned more and been like, that was really interesting. I really want you to take at least one piece of this and implement it within the next, honestly, 24 hours or start to write down a plan. If you can't do it right away to work towards that. So please just take action on whatever you feel like was the biggest thing that could move the ball forward. I don't want to actually give you any more steps. I just want you to pick one of the ones that I shared because they were, they are really, really big and to implement, take messy action on it. Mm, good. Oh, messy action. That's good. Well, I always believe that leadership is comes from action and this is a leadership podcast. I am going to start that I'm going to take your challenge personally right now. I know I'm, I'm going to commit to one of the things I'm going to do because I've been doing it a lot with my business. I'm going to look at the personal side of things and I'm going to really identify what my where my money leaks are because I, I think I have a few. I think there's more than one. So I'm going to really look into that. And, you know, I, I really want to add something about you know, really patting yourself on the back. Um, you're, you, of course, Mandy, like brilliant you are. But, you know, for the audience as well, like pat yourself on the back that you're doing a good job with what you know. So celebrate your wins. And when I was looking at or listening to your, you know, the five patterns that you see often, one year ago, I was looking at, you know, my goals for the year and I was really thinking about, you know, what do I want this year to look like? And obviously something showed up a lot differently than I expected. But one of the commitments that I made was to get really aware of my finances. Like that was a, that was a huge commitment that I made to myself last year because typically what I was doing was avoiding. I was, you know, I come from a world of scarcity that, you know, that mentality has been, you know, ingrained in me since I was a child and I really wanted to break that and my pattern of self-destruction was to just avoid it I would literally finish the year and in March I would hand everything over to the accountant and be like gosh I hope it works out well I just wasn't you know even aware and I was avoiding it completely and I made a commitment that I wasn't going to do that anymore that I was really going to learn this and not avoid it and it really felt very empowering so for the audience even if you were to take one of the patterns and just say, okay, I'm going to make a new decision on this. I mean, what Mandy's really demonstrated here for us is make a new decision. Your current reality doesn't determine your future. And you can change the pattern and you can focus on something different and you can learn something and you can take action. And that's exactly what she's just challenged us to do. And I hope you'll do that with me. Now, having said that, um, is there, I guess people are going to want to connect with you, Mandy, obviously, and I hope that they do. Uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so the best place would be Instagram. I share a lot of stuff on Instagram on a daily basis. So I'm at Mandy Thomas and Mandy actually has two Y's. So please come check me out there. And I will have my own podcast that will be launching right after this is aired. And it's called Intentionally Wealthy. Fantastic. Bravo. I'm going to be listening in. I will be one of your immediate subscribers. I completely endorse this podcast. 
<laughs> uh, so Mandy, I have three closing questions that I always ask my guests. So let's begin with what does leadership mean to you? So to me, it means really being open and raw and vulnerable and sharing in ways that inspire others, especially when they need it the most. And it means not just showing the highlight reel, because that's great and all, but I know for me, what has connected me the most to people is who are really successful is seeing that they went from a lot of struggles to where they're at now. And they've shared those struggles. So not just showing the highlight reel, but the lows as well. And it's also to me, not walking at the front with people behind me, but it's walking with everyone beside me. We are truly lifting each other up and coming from an abundance mindset that there actually is more than enough for all of us. And we will all experience a greater quality of life if we truly do help one another. Mm, I agree completely. I love it. Thank you. Um, now, uh, based on, I mean, there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of podcasts out there. I would love it if you would just leave us with one recommendation of each, if you could. Yeah. So the book one is very difficult because I'm an avid reader, but what I will say that the game changer for me was when I was about 16 and I read rich dad, poor dad, because it showed me a completely different life was possible and how I grew up versus and anything around me. So it really expanded my mindset and it honestly, it challenged me in a lot of different ways. And it just showed me that if I was really intentional about things, that I could live a completely different life. And then for podcast would be For the Love of Money by Chris Harder. That is one that I really, really love. Mm, good. For the love of money. Interesting. My brother is independently wealthy, um, has a very similar story to you as, as well, actually, that he's kind of self-made and just got really smart and educated himself. And one of the gifts that he gave to our entire family many years ago when he was in his early 20s on his own financial abundance journey, he gave each of us that book, <laughs> the one that you're referencing, The Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Crazy. Oh, I love that. Yeah very generous, my brother. All right. The closing question, and it's a big one. It's loaded based on all of the highs and all of the lows that you've had in your life. If you could only leave the world with one piece of advice, what would you want to leave them with? So this is a quote by someone else, but it has been instrumental in my life because I did not like conflict and it was something that I avoided. And so this quote is by Tim Ferriss. It's a person's success in life can be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations he or she is willing to have. And I think it's so incredible because I have really seen what a difference in my life it's made when I am able to have those conversations that you literally want to run away from and what a difference it makes in my clients' lives when they're able to have those conversations in their own life. Absolutely brilliant. What a great close, closing thought. Thanks so much, Mandy. Thanks so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.